0: Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. These are the prison epistles. The author, Donald Miller, wrote a book called Blue Like Jazz. And, and in the book, Blue Like Jazz, uh, he, he uses this illustration that I really, um, that really connects with me. When he talks about being in a lifeboat. And he says, it, uh, imagine uh, being in, in a lifeboat that can only hold, let's say, 19 people. Uh, and we're all in this lifeboat together, but there's 20 of us. And, and in the lifeboat, we feel this pressure, this overwhelming fear that, that we need to prove our worth, that we need to, to prove why we belong on this lifeboat, that why we shouldn't be thrown off. And, and so we begin to, to, to highlight our strengths and, and champion them, and, and sometimes even stepping over other people, belittling them so that we look better than at least one other person. And sometimes I think life feels like that as we try and prove our value and our worth and, and why we are worthy of, of being here. And um, Miller goes on then to talk in the illustration about imagine Jesus being on that lifeboat. And as, as we, we grapple and, and fight and, and argue with each other of who is more worthy, Jesus just jumps overboard. He just, he just jumps off. And now, all of a sudden, because of that that work of Jesus in the lifeboat, now there's space for the rest of us. We no longer have to fight and prove our worth, but rather, our worth is really found in the fact that Jesus was willing to jump over on our behalf. That the one who was worthy removed himself so that we could have a place. I think there's something to this illustration that's really powerful. Um, as we continue to, to work through these prison epistles, um, it, it forces us to ask the question in some ways, um, what do we believe about our standing before God? Um, if this lifeboat is perhaps heaven, or the kingdom of God, um, what do we have to go on to believe about our standing, our, our, our place in that? But why do we deserve to be there? Is it, is it, is it our, our good works, the things we've done? Is it our church attendance? Is it the memorization of Scripture that we have? Is it just a feeling that we get because we like ourselves, we assume God likes us too and we deserve to be on this boat as well? Um, What do we have to stand on? What do we believe about it? And that's why I think uh, what we have in the Bible is so important for our our standing, where we have these promises of God, where God has made a covenant with us. Those who are in Him, there's this covenant where God has made uh, this promise and God has promised that He will hold up His end. We have a promise like Romans 8.1, which says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a promise that we, we cling to and know uh, that my, my place in this life raft, so to speak, isn't because I'm the best at something, but rather in the promise of Jesus that as long as I'm in Jesus, then I will not be thrown over the boat. That's my, my security. We have through Scripture what is known as these identification truths, that they are true um, irregardless of how I feel about them, irregardless uh, uh, of how I feel in the moment, but they're true because God declares them to be true. For example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's an identification truth. It's true because God declares it over us, that if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. We are no longer the old. The new has come. There's something that that God declares it, and because He declares it, it's true, no matter if I understand it or not. So we're going to dive into Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3 here this morning. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Uh, that word blessed, uh, you know, happy. Um, God is, 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 is excited. God is happy about this situation. God, God loves us and is excited about w- what's going on in the kingdom. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him, in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will." Um, We don't want to get into a debate. This is not the context to get into a debate about predestination. Um, But Paul isn't really debating it here. Paul is simply declaring a fact, a declaration that God has chosen, that God has chosen those whom he loves. Um, Again, it's one of those sort of identification truths that God has chosen, God goes before, God does the work, God chooses. Verse 6, To the praise of His glorious grace, which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Um, Redemption, that word means to buy back, and the implication is that we were enslaves in our sin, that we were slavery to our sin, that we were stuck in it, and the only way out was to have someone come alongside and pay the price of death for our sin. The wages of sin is death in Romans 6. And Jesus, through His death, pays the penalty to redeem us, to buy us out of our slavery, which He has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ. Uh, there's this a word lavished, it's, it's an abundant overflow of His love and His grace, His provision for us. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. Um, this restoration, it goes back again to the picture in the garden of us walking with God, humanity, and divinity together. "...in Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory." Uh, here I think he's talking about the nation of Israel and those, those, those Jews at the time who were coming to faith like Paul himself. Um, who sort of said, hey, we came first, and now, now we're extending it to the Gentiles. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. There's this idea of being sealed with the Spirit um, so there's this Trinitarian language where the fa- it's the Father's plan, that God the Father plans and predestines and chooses. And then God the Son, Jesus, is the one who enacts this plan of salvation, who is our redemption on the cross. And then we have the Spirit who follows up and becomes the seal and in the indwelling uh, presence of God in our lives. It's this Trinitarian plan of salvation. And so we come back to again is, is our identity. Who are we? How do we know that, that, that where we belong in the kingdom of God? And it's not in anything that we have done or will do or can do. It's not Our worth is not in our accomplishments or in our abilities. Our worth and our value and our place here is found in the declaration, the work of Jesus himself. There's there's two contrasting words here, again, that come back to these kind of truths, and that is about condition and position. Condition is the momentary, how you feel in the moment, how you feel about yourself, uh, how you're doing with with sin that you struggle with, that's your condition. Um, but it's separate from your position, where Jesus says that, that you are a new creation, that He has chosen us, He has redeemed us, He has sealed us, meaning that that, that is our position, That is what God declares over us, so that is what is true, and that is what we cling to. And our position might not quite, or our condition might not line up with it at times, but it remains our position because God has done it and God has given it to us. And so we might feel guilty about our current state. Maybe we're in a bit of a slump in our faith. Maybe we're struggling with some things, but it doesn't change what God says to be true about our position. That this, this plan is larger than us, larger than our struggles, and that God is gracious, that God is good, and that God goes before us. And, and the joy that we continue to come back to, the joy is that, that my position in, in God's lifeboat, so to speak, does not depend on my ability to stay there. It does not depend on, on my own personal holiness, my ability to, to work things out on my own. My position in that boat is secured because of the work of Jesus. And so our joy is in this, that we are chosen, that God has chosen you, that the God of the universe has gone before you, before you were born and chosen to do a good work in you. There's joy and there's hope in that. There's identity in that. It's that you are redeemed. Again, that is declared as a truth about us, that God has done that work On our behalf, that we don't earn it, that we don't find it, that God has redeemed us. He has bought us out of slavery and as a result also adopted us. That's the language that's used, that that we are adopted as sons and daughters of the King and that's a work that's been done to us. That is our, our value and our worth that God declares that this is our position. Even if we don't feel all that close to the Father in the moment, our position is secure. We are sealed. We're, we're sealed by the Spirit. And that would be a reference to a wax seal put on, um, on an envelope. And the seal is a mark of ownership, meaning that God's mark, if the Spirit of God dwells within us, then that is His mark of ownership, that we are His no matter how we feel in the moment, in our condition. And that we have an inheritance, we're told. that There's an inheritance waiting for us, that we are co-heirs with Christ, that, that as sons and daughters, we have an inheritance waiting for us. Uh, and, and so it really comes down to this, this identity of, of Our worth and our value and our place in the kingdom is not something that we earn, but it's something that's given to us and declared of us. And it's rooted in this finished work of Christ on our behalf, that God has done it, God has declared it. And that's what Paul is doing, is he's just showering, he's peppering uh, the Ephesian church with these things. And, and in fact, that this whole passage that we read uh, from 3 all the way down to 14 is one sentence in the Greek. It's all one. He's just rambling. Paul is so excited that he can't stop just sort of spitting these things out. He doesn't have time for punctuation because he's so excited about this identity that God has given to us, the work that God has done on our behalf, that Jesus has jumped out of the boat to make a place for us. And we can rest secure. And it's a bit of a cliche, um, but I think it holds true. And, and that is that our worth is not in who I am. But I think what we see here in Ephesians is that our worth is not in who I am, but in whose I am. That we are chosen, that we are adopted, that we are redeemed, that we are sealed. That we are sons and daughters. That is our identity. That is our worth. That is our hope and also our joy. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these truths that you, that you wash over us. That in your love, that you have redeemed us. That you have chosen us. That you have adopted us. That you have sealed us. That we are yours. And that doesn't depend on how we feel about it from moment to moment. But that is a truth, a covenant that you make with your children. Help us only to live up to what we've already attained. And may it be a source of joy for us, of identity and worth today. Those things that you say about us. Thank you for your love. In your name we pray. Amen. We have a great rest of the day. Go enjoy.